Off the ball. The last battle in the Ronaldo-Messi war mm. was that World Cup and uh, Ronaldo lost it and then, then he ended up at like an Al Nasser. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Now then, I think it is fair to say that Munster's season has reached a hell of a crescendo. Crowned URC champions in Cape Town a couple of weeks ago and our next guest, Dennis Leamy, has been a big part of that success. He needs no introduction, obviously, uh, just shy of 150 Munster caps in his playing days after his debut in 01. Big part of the 06 and 08 Heineken Cup winning years. 57 caps for Ireland. He retired in 2012. Turned to coaching at amateur and local level and then, um, well, eventually found himself sleeping with the enemy in Leinster in 2019. And in 2022, returned to Munster where he has looked after the defence as part of Graham Rowntree's coaching ticket. Dennis Leamy, you are very welcome. Thanks, Joe. Good to be with you. No, it's great to have you with us. So life is good. Tip going well in the hurling as well. It's a nice summer now. Yeah, we're still there. We're still very much alive. So yeah, loads of that. Loads to look forward to. Yeah, very exciting. We invited you on in the immediate days after the win in Cape Town. But uh, I would suspect you guys as a whole, coaching ticket players, given the schedule of Durban twice, Cape Town, Glasgow, Dublin, back to Cape Town for a final, um, and all big games as well, must have been shattered. Yeah, absolutely. It was a hell of a run, in fairness, and um, uh, just it, it was a whirlwind, really. Just the amount of uh, miles we we're doing, big games coming week on week. Uh, just uh, amazing to be involved in it. But um, what an experience! But it, it was exhausting. Yeah. But uh, come away with the with silverware at the end of it. It's an amazing uh, achievement, really, and um, you know we're very much delighted with it. So uh, we've been enjoying it and we've been celebrating it. So. <laughs> Apologies, I couldn't make it last week. <laughs> <laughs> You'd better places to be. I would think on a run like that, it's amazingly enjoyable. And, and you could almost sense the team getting battle hardened and you slingshot from one game into the next. And um, it must be all consuming. Life, you're like your life probably just goes into airplane mode, does it? Family, friends, like I'll, I'll, I'll come up for air and see you when I see you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And we're very lucky, like, you know, very supportive families and, and wives and girlfriends and partners and stuff like that. So you couldn't do it without them. But exactly like that, you put your friends and their extended family kind of on hold and just, you know, try and uh, focus on the, the, the here and now and what's really important. And that was, uh, as I said, big game after big game. And, um, you know, in fairness, uh, as we put it, you know, we, we developed a hardness over that period. And, you um, going to places like Cape Town and Durban and then having to go to Dublin. Um, really, really big tests. And it was it was amazing to be a part of that. And just um, just the preparation and just the whole journey of it was, uh, was you know, looking back now, it's, it's the special part of it. I would think so. We'll revisit that in a second. Maybe just to chart your last decade in brief enough terms. You retired in 2012. It was, uh, from memory, a hip injury. You would have been 31 at the time. This was very much not the plan. I, I would suspect at 30-31, you were looking forward to at least another four or five years, touch wood, keep playing. 
yeah, I, don't, I just turned 30 and, um, you know, I had, a, I had a kind of a, towards the latter end of my career, I had a number of injuries and it just kind of seemed to call them cruciate shoulders. And then my hip was, was niggling, niggling me after the World Cup and it just never, it just never got right. And um, subsequently kind of learned that it was arthritic and it was, it was um, in pretty poor nick. And I just remember playing in my final game for Munster in, in Toma Park. We played Clinetli in Europe and, you know, we won, we went on a, you know, a big Christmas party afterwards. <clears throat> I was supposed to play a week later against Ulster. I ran out a couple of days later to train and just wheeled around and just said to Tony McGahan at the time, I'm in absolute agony here. I don't I don't think I can I can train. And and that kind of I suppose spiraled then into <clears throat> operations and rehabs that didn't work. And unfortunately I had to retire six months later. And it was a it was a big shock because you don't expect that at, at 30 really. Um other than that, I was in pretty good nick and very much involved with the Irish squads and, and I had been involved in the Irish in the 2011 World Cup with Ireland. And, you know, kind of looking forward to another three or four years. So pretty sudden, all of a, all of a, all of a, a stop. I had to give up, retire. And then the what do I do next questions, you yeah. know, come into your head. That's the worry, you know. Yeah, I'll bet it is terrifying. And so with an arthritic hip, I, I presume just the wear and tear of a rugby life married to whatever genetics or play with arthritis like are you, can you can you actually perform as, as you, you you were able to previously it's just you're in agony so I can't really keep going kind of a thing are we restricted even in how you were able to perform yeah like uh, thing, things were going fine until I got a really bad bang in the world uh, in training at the World Cup and that really just set things off um you know, I'd, I'd been very functional, you know, and, and well capable of playing. But then I got a really bad incident in the lead up just to the, I think it was against Wales in the quarterfinal. I, I, I jarred it very badly in a tackle drill and it just it just started from there. So I, I basically limped out of the game and was limping around for about a year afterwards. It was pretty, pretty bad nick. And um to the point where I decided, look, I have to get a hip replacement. So getting a hip replacement at 31, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, I suppose, daunting. But um, I was very lucky in that I had a very good surgeon in Jonathan Bond and he reassured me that, uh, I suppose, the, the life or the, the limb that I was about to receive, that it could work for 15, 20, 25 years. And the longevity of that uh, gave me a lot of confidence to go on ahead and, and get the operation because... Living in pain is 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 not really what you want at that stage of your life. So it's it's allowed me, um, you know, uh, as I said, live without pain and and to 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 get on with my life and run around after my kids and and um, you know being pretty good, Nick. I didn't realise you had it replaced. So you are running around with the kids. You're functioning pretty well now. Just about keep up with um, <laughs> a six year old and two four year olds. So just about all my own, yeah. <laughs> so like that's um that is a terrifying moment, I'm sure, and you want to provide for your family and you wanna I, I find I suppose something that's vaguely as enjoyable as your playing days as impossible uh, an order as that is. Where was coaching in your mindset? Did you have a burning ambition or were you thinking about a bit of farming? I remember people saying I I, I don't I have in my head people saying at the time he might go back to farming. Yeah, and I continue to farm to this day. I, I have a I have a farm in Tipperary, which I even this morning at about seven o'clock, I I counted my few cattle and 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 walked the, the grounds, <laughs> the boundary fences and stuff. So that's great. But um, yeah, look, anyone who's involved in farming knows our the level of farming that 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 we do in terms of beef farming. It's a difficult lifestyle in terms of paying the bills. But um, yeah, I think 
where where coaching fell in or what I was going to do next. Really, I, I contacted um, Michael, Mikey Prendergast at the time because he was coaching Young Monsters. And I, I had coached a little bit with Cashel, you know, at seconds and thirds level just while I was injured, just to get a feel for it. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so I just contacted Mikey and said, look, stepping out of the game, I'm obviously retiring. Would there be an opportunity with Young Monsters? So he got me involved with Young Monsters and I really enjoyed working with Mikey and Garod, his brother, um, and the players there. And it was a very interesting six months in terms of learning how to, I suppose, the craft of coaching and uh, the chats and the conversations you have with players and how you develop players. And that got me really interested in, in, in where I could go next. Okay, interesting. You know? Come here, as a complete aside, can you lads explain to me, why do you all call Young Munster Munsters? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Absolutely no idea. Sorry. Right, okay. Not enlightened there. Yeah, but it's definitely it's always written as Munster, but it's always Munsters. Grant, no idea. look, you're I'm sure, um, peculiar the down there. These guys will, will answer that question. And, <laughs> um, the call from Leinster comes in 2019. So at that stage, you're retired seven years. How had you been, by the way, with the adjustment? Um, because I sort of remember you did like um, a road show with us not long after you were retired at the Mansion House. I think Johnny Sexton might have been there. Or, or it was one of those nights anyway. And I like we don't know each other I, and we didn't talk off air. But I, I, I remember having this sense, like even on stage, that you were kind of dipping your toe in this media lark and telling a few old stories from back in the day. But I just got this sense of someone who was thinking, geez, I, I do not want to be in this stuff already. Like just, I, I almost think you were taking it and going, this is not, I, I don't want to be here at all. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that. I think in, in terms of, um, I suppose you can you can do both and, and some some of my former teammates do it really well in terms of coaching and media. But um, I suppose um, I suppose it's hard to do both is, what, is the way I'd put it. So yeah, I very much wanted to be a coach. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, I suppose, carve that out along the way. And I, I started coaching Clamel, which was our junior team. I, I worked with AIL with Gary Owen. I worked in my home club in Cashel and, and on, on up into that. So I always had a an idea that I'd stay in Ireland, that I'd try and go through the Irish system and trust the Irish system because at that stage there wasn't an awful lot of Irish uh, coaches coming through the system. But I believe that there was a pathway to get through if um you know, you kept your head down and you you were pretty good at what you did and got results that there was a way to, to climb the ladder. And I think that's been the real pleasing thing about, I suppose, the last couple of years and that you're seeing, you're seeing Irish coaches now come through the pathway. You think of Mossy Lawler, Colm Tucker, mm. you know, guys like that who are climbing the ladder as well. So um, it's really pleasing to be involved in that. So I, I, Leinster gave me a great opportunity in 2019. There was an opportunity to go into the academy as an EPDO and you know I suppose from their point of view being a being an ex-monster player they're probably wondering why is this guy um you know putting his CV in but the, you know in fairness to the, the lads in Leinster they, they got me in they trusted me I really enjoyed working with everyone there I hope that you know they got something from me that the, the boys in, in their younger players that, that I would have worked with like you know Joe McCarthy Brian Deeney to mention just a couple that, yeah. that uh, they would have learned a lot from me so um, and I certainly learned a lot from being around that that brilliant environment. Yeah, I'll bet. How much abuse did you get from your teammates, former teammates? Yeah, yeah nice, but yeah, like <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> you need to be you need to have a thick skin both ends. <laughs> I think in terms of um, you know early days in Leinster, you're viewed as um, with suspicious eyes. I think, but no, over over a period of time, um, 
struck up some really, really great relationships there and, and yeah. totally enjoyed working in Dublin, I must say. So you went from elite player development officer to contact skills coach in 2021. This is one of these um, roles that we hear about a lot, but I, I actually don't know specifically what you're hammering home day in, day out as a contact skills coach. Yeah, it's it's very niche isn't it? I, I think you kind of make it your own. So what I try to do, and there's no right or wrong, I know Sean, Sean O'Brien is doing it at the moment, and I suppose everyone does it their own different ways. But um, I really try to develop the tackle and look at uh, what we do around the carry and certainly around the breakdown. The break team, breakdown was a really big thing in terms of the environment and how that fitted into the game plan and the speed of ball. So yeah. that was really important, how we develop the placement of the ball how early we can get our, our our two guys over the ball into those spaces and, and their body heights and their aggression around that. So it was all those little finer details around the contact area. When you talk about the tackle now, it's become such a big thing because mm. of, you know, I suppose the concussion and everything that that brings and, and preventing injuries, but also making you a dynamic tackler and, and an efficient tackler is in terms of completion and stuff like that. Yes. That's really, really important. So, you know, it actually all feeds into one. A, a safe tackler is also a good tackler. And um, worked, you know, kind of every morning and that sort of stuff, uh, pre and post pitches. You know, you're doing a lot of video work around the breakdown in terms of what the boys have done in the game. And um, it's something that, you know, um, you wouldn't want to do forever. I don't think you want to box yourself in as a contact coach, but I'm, I'm really, really glad I, I was a contact coach. And I learned an awful lot around that piece and, and it brought it into the, the greater defensive sort of system that we use. Yes, because you would have just missed out, obviously, on Joe Schmidt's arrival with Ireland. And he was always talked about as a kind of a breakdown specialist, really, like, and described it as the heartbeat of the game. And that was a big focus for him. So if you just missed out on him, who did you, uh, I suppose, base your breakdown coaching on? Like, like were you, did you just have that innately from playing the game? You knew what's what? Or do you go off and study with somebody who really knows their stuff in that area? How, how, how do you equip yourself to be able to stand in front of a pretty impressive dressing room and say, fellas, this is what you do? Yeah, I think I would have been heavily influenced by uh, Laurie Fisher. Yeah. Uh, we have a monster as a, as a breakdown coach. And um, I suppose there's a number of different things to the breakdown in terms of the speed you move and the body height and the, the aggression. But it's also the mindset of actually, you know, wanting to get there, you know, being in those positions, um, working early, you know, almost being ahead of the game. And obviously, I think Joe, uh, Joe left a, a big imprint around the breakdown in, 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 in Ireland. And I think that filters down as well. So in different environments, you start to pick that up as well. And, you know, you would have been going to coaching clinic, clinics and that sort of stuff was being drip fed down. And an awful lot of what we still do today, I think, would have been heavily influenced uh, by Joe Smith and, and, and has a big flavor in terms of what he brought around that time so um you add a little bit to that or you subtract a little bit that to that depending on what you want but i think it's fair to say um what all the provinces provinces do and what ireland do will be heavily influenced by uh what joe smith would have brought yeah uh given that it's a leave insert month every leave insert question seems to be seems to have the phrase compare and contrast in it so uh compare and contrast Leinster environment that you found with uh, the Munster environment that you've um, come into now it just it can be small stuff how they go about their business how they say hello to each other in the morning how they set out their aims for the season or do they focus on one game at a time you know I know you don't want to betray 
too many secrets, but you're one of the few people who could probably answer that question. How would you compare the two um, cultures of way, or ways of going about their, their weeks? I think both are very different and, you know, what works well in one environment probably wouldn't work in the in the other. But there are certainly a cer- certain things that are, you know, just um, good standards or, or, you know, ways that you'd like to, to have an environment. And I think Leinster, and, and this is no secret, like Leinster's environment is top class, the way it's run, the way um, from top to bottom in terms of the staff the players it's a really really well-oiled machine and there's there's loads of uh, brilliant stuff in Leinster that they do brilliantly well and they foster it so well and they develop it so well um Munster is different though you know Munster the Munster people are slightly different there's a different mentality there's a I suppose there's a, a little bit of a rawness to the, the Munster mentality um and you know you leave your feelings at the door in Munster a little bit more than, than you would at Leinster there's a that's there's still, still the case yeah yeah, there's always a little bit of ball hopping and uh, you know a bit of uh, trying to get in under fellas skin and stuff like that which is always which is a good thing like mm-hmm. and I think um, you know board environments are very interesting board environments um, you love being a part of um, but there's they are slightly different but, is, uh, is one louder than the other uh, louder in terms of just voices and yeah and the dressing like room that. yeah um, I don't know. I think you've great characters in both. I, I think it would be unfair to say one is louder than the other or, or more boisterous. But I, I will say this. I will say this. I think I think the way Leinster have developed their systems and their dressing room over the last 10 years allows them, you know, just to, to be in that position to fight for European Cups, for example. We're just a little bit off that right now, as, mm. as our record would, would show. So we're, we're still developing... Um, around that, and it won't be the, we, we won't try and do what 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 Leinster do exactly. But there's loads of good stuff that Leinster have learned and borrowed from from other environments that that certainly would would be relevant to us as well. Yeah. But you know, we, we still have a we still have a good bit to go in terms of our own development, and we know that. I think the players know that. Uh, we as coaches know that. But look, it's going to be um, it's going to be fun yeah. on that journey. No, I'm sure. The reason I have asked about the louder point is when you talked about. You know, there's a touch more leave your feelings at the door at Munster, which was like always the case in your team uh, in particular, I suppose. But also I was reading a piece recently where Stuart Lancaster, um, I think he microphoned up players and, and, and played back recording was a piece I read in the Sunday Times. Uh, two of them mightn't have been under when you were there as well, but almost just like say you can be louder on the pitch when you're talking to each other. And I sort of feel, you know, Peter O'Mahony and co would be quite, loud to each other so it was just a, a hunch when I asked the question and in terms of like how they'd um, again if you can't give secrets I understand but like map out a season I, I, I would think in Leinster European Cup is kind of holy grail territory and Munster in a very different place Yeah and Leinster have earned that right haven't they over a period of time you know to put together the squad they put together um, huge investment in terms of time and energy and obviously brilliant coaches like like Stuart and and would they Ryan. frame it as like would European Cup be talked about every week this is towards the European Cup is that is it that kind of um, an obsession healthy or otherwise no I don't think I think the, it's just a constant standard of excellence isn't it yeah. you know arriving on a Monday morning on time you know you know you're there early you're doing your prehab all the the boring bits and pieces really that are just so important of being a pro being mm. a really 
pro, being a good person, you know, coming in, shaking hands with everyone, you know, saying hello, saying good morning, those sort of practices, you know, uh, can never be underestimated, can they really, in yeah. terms of how important they are to an environment. I think that's what what um, what a really good environment looks like. And, you know, just the, the, the constant striving for excellence and betterment, you know, is something that, uh, you know, I think a lot of clubs would, would envy. Yes. Um, and you've been around the game a long time. So say as a player and then seeing Leinster and now seeing Munster, uh, are these dressing rooms likely at half time to put up their hand and say, well, actually, I think that tactic isn't working. We should do X, Y or Z. Or is it very much you're the coach, we're the players, we'll listen, you talk? No, I think both will be very much um, collaborative. I think there's a, and that's really important in the modern game. It's not like old where you where you sit down as a player and you take the information and it's very much a tell, tell, I'll tell you what to do and you go and action it. I think it's very much collaborative and certainly, you know, in Munster at the moment, we're trying to grow on that hugely in terms of our classroom, in terms of our half time. What are you feeling? How do you feel? What does it look like out there? Because we're sitting above in, a, in, in the stand, we're looking mm. down, we're very much... Uh, seeing the play as the fans would see it. So, but the boys are in that action and it's so much different um, when you're in action, when you're in that hand-to-hand combat. It just feels completely different, what you're seeing, how it feels. That complete, that, 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 that's just so different. So we'd always ask in terms of how they feel, what they're seeing, what, what they reckon is, is on out there. And then we try and reinforce that with our points and back that up with what we're seeing as well. And that, that collaboration is so important because if they don't feel it and they don't see it and they don't actually believe that the space is there or that the, the opportunities to attack the, to attack the breakdown defensively are there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a waste of time, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And, and, so you're, you know. you're quite happy at half time for someone to pipe up and say, Leamy, this defensive plan is rubbish. <laughs> it's not ideal, is it? But I, <laughs> no, but I think I, I would rather them say that than not. You know what I mean? It's, yes. Hell, if, if the plan isn't working, it's not working. So, yeah, come out and say it. And that's that's really important. And we'd say that all the time. In fairness, like Wig, Mikey, we talk about that all the time. If, we do, if the players aren't happy, if we're not comfortable, say it. It's important. Mm. It's, Fellows, exactly how you see it well. And they do, in fairness. Did the way, because um, uh, well, it's funny, uh, your team, like the 06 08 team, played some great rugby. So it's, you know, I think we should note that. Did the way Leinster played their rugby, the attacking uh, flair that we see, the emphasis on skill sets, did that um, inform the, the uh, I hate to word, use the word philosophy, but just how you s- saw the game going forward as a coach? Or would you have always said, that's the way to go versus what, say, Van Gran. Not, I don't want to land you in trouble here. I'm trying to pick my examples, but the way Munster were going about their business in a different way to Leinster. Did you look at Leinster and that because we're seeing a more expansive Munster uh, style, and that's obviously Mike Prendergast and Graham Rentree sets a tone. But to what extent did you, did seeing how Leinster play their rugby inform how you might see the game as a coach? Yeah, like. I'll take you right back. I left. I, I I was coached by a New Zealander in Rockwell, you know, um, the late nineties, and and he was from Auckland, and they played a style of rugby that was very open, and we we played in the monster schools, which would be generally forward forward orientated. But under under Hogan Chapman, I was very used to a fifteen man game. I then went to UCC, which was a college team, and and played AIL and in, in AIL two at the time, the old Division two, and it was proper tough. It was yeah. really tough. You go to places like Malone, Balna Hinch, Middleton, like you didn't need a ball at all to play. Don't, 
but we we wanted to play rugby. We wanted to play. Um, we wanted to play fifteen man rugby. We didn't have a scrum. We didn't have a line out or a mall. So everything was off the top. If we could win it, we we never won our scrums. We literally, I played at number eight. I, I very rarely remember the ball at my feet. Yeah. Um, and it was just all about free flow and rugby offloading game of movements. Like Stuart talks about a game of movement, and and the modern coaches talk about a game of movement. We were playing a game of movement in UCC, you know, twenty years ago. Um, and I was hugely influenced by that. So when I when I broke into the monster team and, and we started to kind of mix with the Limerick clubs and the Limerick mentality and the senior teams of, of young monsters and Gary Owen and Shannon and to meet guys like Foley and, and Galway and Clausies and their mentality of, of, of how they played the game and the physicality, the scrum, the maul, the tight. I was, uh, it, it was, it was different to what I was used to. So my bias would have always been um, a little bit more free flowing in terms right. of how I saw the game. I know I'm a defense coach, but I, I always would have played with teams as a as a kid growing up where we, we moved the ball. So, um, and I agree with you. The, the monster team that, that that I played on, I think we, we played an awful lot more rugby than maybe people like to remember. Yeah. But um, that's besides the point. But there, definitely, when, when I went to Leinster, the game of movement, the speed of movement, the transfer of ball, how you transfer the ball, how you create quick rocks. I really, really, really enjoyed okay. that aspect of the game and, and, and how, you know, Stuart was growing that, you know, how Felipe was growing it um, and, and their views in the game. It, it just really probably fed into my biases as a, as yes. a rugby coach as well. So you were saying, Felipe, this is what we were doing in tape in the 90s. Um, <laughs> so really inter- that, that's so interesting I hadn't realised that kind of limerick the, the, the various dynamics the melting pot that is Munster Rugby when you get the call from is it Roundtree who gives you the call Dennis? Yeah he rings me out of the blue one day and, and, and so I'll, I'll get that full conversation in a second but when he rings you is there a degree where you're thinking well I want to know how you play first or will you just go in no matter what even if he had said to you Dennis we're going to tuck that ball and not pass it once um, we we didn't talk tactics. I'll be right. honest with you. He just rang me out of the blue and said um, he he rang me and we're chatting away and I kind of said uh, so why are you ringing me and he said oh, I want you to coach the defence. I said okay. Um, Did you know each other? Uh, no, no, we didn't, and we hadn't spoken before either. So um, um, no, he just rang me out of the blue, and it wasn't really something because I knew it was an ongoing process in place to to try and find coaches I presume that had passed me by you know um I just I, I was very much focused in terms of what I was doing in Leinster and and everything that was going on there and then I got the phone call and he just said look I want you to coach defense and I just said look have you any how was your views and then he said I'd like us to be a little bit more hot in terms of our line speed and and what we do there and and that was all I said okay uh said obviously look uh you're gonna have to give me a couple of days and 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 yeah i sat down and thought and, and, and thought about it and i went to leo and just we had a conversation around it and i spoke to him around you know the opportunities in terms of taking on a defense brief myself and, and obviously i was living in tipperary i was commuting to dublin that was you know an hour and 45 minutes up the road i commute 
you know, in the mornings now it's taking me 45 minutes. Um, and I'm I'm home every night while I was staying with my aunt in Terenure twice a week uh, in Dublin. So there was just, you know, things like that, practical things, day-to-day yes. that, that needed to be considered. And um, I suppose they were really the important things for me at the time, more so than, you know, how are we going to play or, yes. you know, want to kick a lot? Are we going to be kick, chase? Are we going to pressurise? Whatever. doesn't matter. That was really where my head was at at the time. Uh, Leo Cullen's reaction? Um, I would say Leo is a very level-headed man. Um, I, I I presume he wasn't doing cartwheels, uh, you know, but he, he I think he's, he's, you know, Leo's a very fair man. He listened to what I had to say. I think he understands the nature of, of having a young family and everything that that entails. Obviously, you know, being from the province as well is a, is a factor. And I, I think Leo is very fair in terms of understanding where I was coming from. And I, I really appreciated that from him. And it's something that, you know, it's something that you don't forget either, you know. Yeah, I'll bet. Do I have it in my head that um, you weren't celebrating in the coach's box against Leinster? Yeah, I saw that. Part of it was, um, part of it was just weariness in terms of that it was a hell of a game there was so much going on and and there was 29,000 I think in the stadium it felt like there was 100,000 the atmosphere that day was amazing obviously it was a very close game but yeah like uh, the other thing is yeah you're right like I think I think where you're going with this is I'd have huge respect for everything that Leinster do what they stand for the people in the building the players the coaches and I understand. I would have a good grasp in terms of how they were feeling at that particular time. I know what. I know they're they're so driven to to to, to win championships, and um, you know there's a little bit of that in terms mm. of you don't to to rub it into people's faces either, especially when you you've worked with them. Yeah, because initially when I saw it, I thought, "Geez, Leamy is cool as a cucumber," and then I thought, "Oh, the Leinster connection, maybe." I, I respect is probably too strong a word, but. I'm not going to be jumping up and down with people I worked with just a few months ago. Yeah, I think it's important to respect. I think that's the word. You hear it all the time. Um, and uh, my respect for the Leinster environment and, and as I said, the people there is huge. So, yeah, like uh, absolutely delighted in terms of what we did that day. From a monster point of view, we went, we went and executed a, a game plan. Mm-hmm. We played the game uh, the way we wanted to play. We, we missed opportunities, but we also had to defend some really, really good Leinster attack. And, you know, I was in- incredibly proud of, of of Munster that day and incredibly proud of the way we played and, and everything we did that day. And we, you know, look, I know Leinster had a massive game the week after, you know, and, and, and there were selections and things like that. But that Leinster team that took that park, took the park that day, incredibly gifted as well, you know, so. Yeah. I was no mean, no mean feet beating those boys. We won't go through the season in granular detail, don't worry. But those first seven games, Munster lose five of them. And then I think even one of the wins was like Treviso scored three tries in the first half. Don't get the bonus try in the second half. So that wouldn't have felt great either. Yeah. Um, like my, my memory of it from this remove is of balls being dropped Nightmares at the breakdown, interestingly, seeing as you mentioned, you know, your, your breakdown work. Uh, talk of, well, like they're not fit enough to, they're not, we're not fit as fit as we need to be to play the game we're trying to play. And so, um, like behind the scenes on those 45 minute commutes to Tipperary, are you thinking, oh man, we're, 
like young coaching ticket this is this is really bad or very confident it was going to come good I think the the most important person and you mentioned the young coaching ticket was weak like he's experienced and, and he's I suppose all he's gathered over the years as a player and a coach you know he's he's been an assistant coach for so many years but his experiences were so important to us at that time he would just say to us, keep going, lads, it's working. What we're doing is different. It's so different to what they're used to, but it's working. This is going to work. And, and I think he gave us a huge amount of hope as a coaching group and confidence to just go ahead and stay going. And it's funny, like we're telling we're telling all the media, we're telling all the supporters, you know, we're training really well and, you know, and what we're doing and the boys are getting it. And it doesn't really matter at all because, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be winning. Mm. There was a huge trust in what we were doing. We changed an awful lot. You mentioned the breakdown. There was a different mentality around the breakdown in terms of what we're doing. Completely different in terms of attack, different defense, you know, different line-out systems. So everything was different. And yeah. we, we so much at the boys. We, we asked so much of them. Along with that, you know, we're, we're training, you know, we're training them so hard. We're, we're, we're putting them through sessions that they've just not, haven't, they haven't done before. So a number of them start to get get injuries and soft tissues start to become a problem. And that just all, I suppose, was what we had to work our way through for the first six months. But there was huge belief that we get to the end of that, we get out the back end of that, right. that results would start to come. Okay. You know? Look, it's, it's, it's easy to sit here now and, and <laughs> yeah. bring us rosy and we can look back. But no, there was. I think there was a huge trust in our room. If, if, we're, not, if we're anything in, in that room, we trust each other hugely. And that's the, the great thing about coaching with this group and Monster. There's a great collaboration and trust amongst, amongst each other. I should say, by the way, Wig is Graham Rowntree, right? Wig is, is Graham Rowntree, okay. yeah. And he insists on being called Wig, so that's why I'm calling him Wig. <laughs> why? Disrespectful. <laughs> okay. Why is he Wig, by the way? I have no idea. You'll have to ask him that himself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's with his hairline. I, I don't know. No. Um. Because it's a, I don't know how much you were bothering to tune into off the ball on your drives home to Tipperary, but like everybody was giving you kicking, we were giving you kicking, like all of that stuff. How much did that um, noise infiltrate? I think as a as a as a monster player and as a monster coach, you have to be very careful what you listen to, and we're judged by the highest standards and I, I certainly as a as an ex-player and a coach and, and we as a coaching group we, we'd always want us to be judged by the highest standards I think that's what Monster is we don't want to be judged you know in mediocrity we want to be judged at the highest standards but difficulty in being judged by the highest standards is when you are losing you're, you're going to get you're going to get a fair old whacking from from the outside but I think it's important that you you remove yourself from that a little bit you trust the people around you, you trust the environment. Mm. They're the things that are most important. And, um, you know, I remember being absolutely as a player and, we, you know, um, been absolutely slated for losing, um, you know, being semifinals or whatever. And, 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 you know, the criticism was always part of it. And, and that's just the way it is. But, um, you know, you, you talk about people sometimes, refer to what the area I played in as being the, the golden yeah. the golden area. The amount of times we would have received uh flack and criticism, that was just part of it. So 
now when it happens now, I, I try to be very balanced on it. And even when people give us credit now, you try and be really balanced in that and just mm. you, know, you take the good with the bad, but you remain balanced. And, you know, you're never as you're never as, as good as people say or never as bad as people say. That's something that Decky would have always said to us. And I think that's a really good way to just go about things. Yes, it's probably probably a reason he's had such longevity in the game. The win over South Africa is is talked about for obvious reasons as this very memorable occasion and, and felt like a kind of line in the sand and, and marked progress. Do you regard it as this huge seminal moment? Well, I think it was. It's a very important in our season because it was just um, a different different pressure. There wasn't huge pressure on us. So it wasn't league, it wasn't Europe. You know, it was a one-off game against a, a touring side. You know, the boys could go out, enjoy the the atmosphere, you know, huge amount of people in, in Parky Cueve. There was no pressure. No matter what had happened that, that night, whether we won or lost, it wasn't really, really, I suppose, it, it wasn't going to impact us hugely in terms of if we lost, if we turned up, you know, played well and lost by a few points. It wasn't going to matter. But <clears throat> I think what it showed the boys is how special it is to, to win big games for Munster. And I think once you get a feeling for that and a hunger for that, you know, you want more, you want more and it drives you. And I think that opened, you know, some of our younger players' eyes in terms of what, what you can do in a Monster jersey. You can do some really special things in a Monster jersey. Yes. Go out, you know, punch above, you know, your weight and, and, and beat teams like South Africa. And I think that was so important from that point of view. Gave us belief, gave everyone a little bit of a pep in their step. And we kicked on and look, there was tough games and, and tough times after that yeah. but we, we started to get more positive moments than, than, than negative that's, that's really interesting and getting that taste for kind of the possibility that goes with Munster and, and maybe in a way the ghosts of, of your team which you know akin to Liverpool for years or any, any number of um, teams where there's uh, success followed by a dip suddenly it's less of like God, look, you're, you'll always be compared unfavourably to that team and more a sense of, geez, there might be something a bit special about this place and maybe we can tap into it. And there is there is such a thing as DNA and and all of that kind of stuff starts to... Uh, just the, the mood of it shifts almost completely, 180. Yeah, I think that was really important. We, we have a we have a really good history and we're, we're really lucky that we have um, a very interesting history in Munster. And we, you know... Ever before, I suppose the club element came along in terms of playing in European Cups and, and, and leagues and stuff like that, we were beating touring sides. So we leaned on that in the early days. And I know Decky drew on that with his early teams in the noughties. And I think it's important we go there. We don't go there all the time. It right. can't just be that. Yeah. But it's part of us. And, you know, I just get the sense that maybe there was there was times there when 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 people, you know, in the last few years wanted to distance themselves from monster teams of the past. I think it's important to, to have that history and that heritage and understand there's a, you know, the sort of a greater thing happening outside in Munster in terms of the supporters, you know, the history, you know, what, what, what has happened in the past, the big games, European Cups, that sort of stuff. We can draw on that a little bit. And at the end of the day, we're, we're the same sort of genetics. We're from the same areas. You know, you talk about uh, the teams that I would have been part of. You know, these guys were from Cork, they're from Clare, they're from Limerick, they're from Tipperary. You know, it's the same as we have. So you could you draw strength from that. I believe I believe that's really important. 
Uh, one uh, phase of the season I wanted to ask you about. So before like the amazing crescendo was that period where Scarlets, Glasgow and then Sharks in the Champions Cup. Really disappointing. Back under pressure again in the URC and then dumped out of Europe in fairly comprehensive fashion. Uh, 130 points conceded in three games was the headline. So... Like, is the defence coach kind of looking at his feet as the rest of the coaching dig it, lean forward and, and look down at them at the end of the row? I mean, that's an uncomfortable uh, stat for you. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and un- unfortunately, that's the nature of being a defence coach. <laughs> <laughs> when you win, like, you're kind of an afterthought. And then when you lose, everyone turns and, you know, automatically, I think, um, you know, you're, you're someone who's going to be on the end of the, be- the, the, the stick. But um, no, I think, look, to, 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 be, to be fair, uh, tough ones to take, you know, Durban, such a, the, the same day was such a, we didn't play well. Um, we we did, we, we we made a lot of mistakes in possession. They transitioned very well and we struggled in the heat without looking for excuses. Um, it, mm. was, it was horrific um, heat and humidity down there and we just struggled. We were poor that, we were, we were poor that day. Against Scarlets, we were winning the game really well and, it's just like someone flicked a switch on the 55th minute. We just seemed to shut down, you know, just, it was just, it was just a difficult time in, in the building. We'd lost Tom Tierney around that time. And yeah, it was just, it was just, it was a strange time in our building because, you know, it brought back, you know, bad memories as well of, of, of what happened with Axel and stuff like that. So that whole period was difficult to manage and, 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 you know, everything that went on there uh, in terms of, I suppose, how emotional it is and, and going through the process of that week and, and, and being around and rightly so, you know, for the family and everything like that, that was, there were factors in the background and we probably, you know, in hindsight, we did maybe didn't manage that as well as we could have. Um, but the Glasgow, the Glasgow game, was just really disappointing and we were we were way off and it was a massive wake up to us all in terms of we just need to refocus here now that this there's something a little bit off here we are not hitting our straps defensively it forced me to to go away and really look in terms of what we're doing around our line speed and and in terms of our, our first five defenders around the rock and we, we to put it very simply, we just weren't at it. We weren't busy enough. We weren't doing our roles well enough. Everyone has a has a role in terms of what they do around the around the breakdown in terms of the first five defenders. We just were doing it consistently poor. So we just started to measure that an awful lot more, put an awful lot more accountability on the players. And um, you know, I think that gave us much greater confidence on the edges. And we started to to win the game line a lot more to, um, than we had been previous uh, to that. And, you know, it, it's just, a, it was a good learning curve for me as a coach. Yes, I'll bet. How much of your life, Dennis, is spent in a dark room watching tape and taking notes and all of that business? I think it's important to work smart, you know, that kind of way. And, and, and you know, I would, would talk to people and you would you would take things especially from the national team and and, and the better teams in, in Europe and in terms of what they're doing. Right. And can you, is, is the avenue there for you to give Andy Farrell a phone call or the, the camp a phone call and say, what are you guys thinking about line speed here? Yeah, I speak to Simon from time to time okay. and, 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 you know, um, he would, he, he would always just in terms of give a flavour as to what 
they would like from an Irish point of view in terms of what their players are doing. So, and look, everyone is everyone is is doing similar stuff, slightly different. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what what Leinster are doing; they 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 connect really well. They're not as hot off the line as us. We. We, we have greater line speed. We challenge the ruck an awful lot more than, than what Leinster would do. But we miss more tackles than Leinster because Leinster connect and, and they come off the line and they're very, very accurate in terms of the amount of tackles they make. So we're very comfortable with having a little bit more heat and maybe missing a few more tackles mm. because we feel that we'll, our, um, I suppose our, our cover defence will mop up the bits and pieces right. we miss. Everyone's, but everyone is pretty much systemally very similar. It's just little tweaks here and there. As a as a coaching ticket, um, I'm not going to call him Wig. Uh, <laughs> I don't know him enough to uh, Rantree and and Prendergast and yourself, for instance. Your dynamic must have grown across the season, um, and you must be you've spent a lot of time together. I'd say a lot of flights, a lot of chats, a lot of coffees. Uh, so what's the nature of that, for instance, say team selection and you think X should play over Y. Can you say, you know, bang your fist, 100 percent, lads, I, I'm right about this. You know, Leamy demands it. We're going with it. Or, or is it very much final word roundtree or, or how has that dynamic um, blossomed? Because there's never a manual as to how it should all work. And, and, and you left out two really important individuals there in, in Andy Kiriakou and, and George Murray as Good well. Man. Yeah. And Andy, obviously, has done a massive job with the forwards, um, an amazing job with the forwards. And, and George looks after our exits um, in terms of, and that's been just such a massive strength for us, allowing us to, I suppose, get after teams. So our exits have been incredibly good, the best in, in Europe by a good bit. Right. And, um, it just allows us. It allows us to have that springboard to either get the ball back or, to, or actually go after teams within our in the first three phases in terms of defence. So, it's um, he's done an amazing job there, an excellent job. But when we when we sit down, um, and it's collaborative, we we have some very frank discussions. You would have seen the amount of different probably monster teams that that took the, the field. Yeah, hard calls we made. You know, players picked, players not picked selection debates around a number of areas and I suppose it's everyone gets their speak everyone says what they feel and ultimately you know wig will be the, 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 the you know the deciding factor as it should be mm. but we all got a fair crack at a whip and and look we don't we don't see eye to eye and you wouldn't want it that way either because you know certainly coming into the final you had an amazing amount of I suppose um different options we 30 players we uh, most of our players were fit and you know you're trying to decide you know is it john hodnett or is it alex kendlin you know these sort of things do you, do you play rg snyman in the in the second row and move ty burn back these sort of debates and it's just brilliant to have that but ultimately you know week has to take the credit in terms of what he selects and, and the team that takes the field what were your emotions at full time in cape town oh um, unbelievable! Like it, just pride. Really, I was just incredibly proud of the lads, and you know, it it, it means so much just to 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 win as a monster coach, as a as a player as well. It, it just it just means a lot, you know, to to represent where you're from, and I just thought the boys were fantastic. Yeah. I thought we won the game. We hammered them by um, 
by five points. Hammered them. Like it was, a, it, it was not a five point win is the absolute worst you could have come away with. Yeah, and it just, I just, I just thought we played really well mm. and so brave. And we spoke about being brave all week about, you know, calmness and about our poker face under the sort of, um, what would be the word, being the, the antagonistic nature of some of their players and, and, and how we dealt with that and the crowd, 50,000 of them versus 5,000 of our fans. Mm. Real cauldron, it really was. I've been to to the biggest stadiums in the world and played in, in, in front of, you know, some some partisan fans. But these guys, it was it was a it was a circus, as as one of our our, our members said, or one of our coaches mm. said, it was an absolute circus. And we dealt really well with that. We were calm, we're poker face, we were brave, we looked to play, we made mistakes, we had tries cancelled out. We didn't get the rub of the green maybe once or twice around certain decisions. Just stayed going. We stayed going. And, you know, four minutes from time, we come up with the, the big play and, and and eventually cracked them. And it was hugely special in the way we won it. And that's why I was probably incredibly proud of the lads. There was a number of reasons why maybe you could tap out. We just didn't tap out. We stayed going. And even at the end, we come up with a massive play in the mall um, from the boys there, just, you know, holding them up and, and making that a a scrum and not allowing them to have phases where they're so dangerous. Yeah. That was huge. And to win it like that was special. Oh, amazing. Because we made the point here uh, after the Leinster game and also after the final that even if Munster hadn't got over the line in either of those games, the way Munster tried to play rugby is, is like it, it's just night and day from where the province had been. And of course, you don't want to speak ill of uh, previous coaches by any means. But like what we have seen here and what's been so exciting, I think, for Munster fans, Dennis, over the last six months in particular, is coaching ticket who have stayed the course and followed their vision. And then a whole bunch of players doing things that we haven't seen them do before. And, and a style of rugby we just haven't seen before. And so for it to work out so spectacularly, I mean, you, you kind of couldn't have wished for more really in year one, I think. Yeah, and, and massive credit to, to Mikey Pendergast in terms of how he's put in place a framework and that allows the boys to play. And, you know, it's just encouragement to, to, to go and play, transition, you know, penalty advantage, whatever it may be. Yeah. Have a crack, have a go. You know, we, we we train very fast, which has developed, I suppose, our offloading game. You'll see you'll see us throwing something like 20 offloads against Leinster. Um, that's, that's a huge amount of offloads. And just to have that, I suppose, um, ability to, to to play fast off rocks or play off the off the off the off the tackle or whatever it may be, and I think that's been Mikey's been really really impressive around everything he's done in mm. attack, how he's allowed the boys and given them belief. And you know, at times when you're losing, the easiest thing to, to, to when you're losing would be to to look at the game plan and and we'll kick more or we'll you know we'll we'll uh, be more conservative. No, let's stay playing, boys. Let's stay believing be brave and um, you know I think that that's what you saw in the final in Cape Town a really brave team not not afraid to make mistakes knowing that there was going to be mistakes but knowing that we stay at it we see we keep pounding the rock eventually we'll break it yes um, do you get a much of a break now what's your what's your deal I think we get six weeks off. I think, yeah, which is which is a huge amount of time off compared to what uh, what it would be used to. So we're getting six weeks off. Then we go back. I think it's around the twenty fourth of July, and 
we're at it then we have to we have to yeah, figure out how we grow and how we get better and the inevitable pressures you know will, will come from the outside as well which is great and um you know we'd welcome that in terms of our own ambitions to 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 go on and get better that's certainly something that we want to do yes i'll bet well look it's been amazing and um, one last one which has just popped into my head actually and i probably should have asked it earlier it's a weird note to finish on but i, I people might be interested uh, Joey Carberry has had a terribly rough six months where he's gone from, you know, very much part of an Irish setup and uh, to the Fort Munster to now not being part of this great finale. And he, he just feels like he's too much of a talent to to be allowed wither away. Why so um, off the pace at Munster, Dennis, and, and, and what can be done there to get Joey Carberry back to his best? What, why over the last six, seven weeks was it very much uh, Jack Crowley and, and Ben Healy to the fore and less so Joey? Well, I think first and foremost, Joe, you had a had a really strong um, start to the season and played, you know, every big game for us and did very well. You know, we lost games, but it certainly wasn't um, down to anything Joey was doing. It was still we were still trying to figure out what we were doing as a as a team. I think, and this is the important thing: we talk about watching training and we select and train and, and we and we picks the team on a Thursday, which is quite unusual in terms of teams are normally picked by a Tuesday afternoon and delivered to the players. But we we hold off until Thursday. Just because training isn't so important in terms of what goes on there. And, And, you know, over the last, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, you start to see, you know, performances in training like Ben Healy um, and what he was starting to do. And you're kind of saying, this guy... He's come back from the Six Nations. He's really confident. He's doing amazing things in terms of his kicking game and training, his passing game. You know, he's running the attack against the defence and he's finding ways to unlock it. And you stand up and take notice. So it's it's not so much as Joey's playing poorly. He wasn't. Or that he's lost form. He hasn't. I think the performances of Jack Crowley and Ben Healy probably catapulted them into the, the 23. And that's why it's... It's usually important that you're not setting a stone in your selection mm. or you really sit down. And, and, and this goes back to my point earlier. We sit down and we, we talk about selection two, three times, four times before we select the team. And, and it's just so those sort of things come out. And, you know, we, we felt that probably Ben, especially against the South African teams, just gives us that a little bit more in terms of... Um, Variety, if you like, against that that real line speed that they brought, and 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 he he was excellent. Ben was excellent, yeah. but that is no slight on Joey Carberry. We were very very lucky to have three real quality tens, and um, they were a massive reason why we were successful. Well, listen, it's been great talking to you. Congrats on a fantastic year, and uh, well, uh, enjoy the break because I'm sure it'll be full on again next year. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Cheers, Dennis Leamy, uh, Munster's defence coach, uh, with us on the line on Wednesday Night Rugby a big thanks to him because he gave us a lot of time there and it was a great chat and our rugby coverage is with thanks to Vodafone Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team Dennis Leamy with us there Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team